Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to talk to you today about being fruitful for the Lord because you were born to be fruitful and you were born to serve the Lord and to serve him with gladness and with effectiveness. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to uh, Numbers chapter 4. How many have a Bible with you? I've, old school. Okay. New school. Okay, we're going to like, tonight. And you can find all of the scriptures we're going to use tonight on Facebook, on the uh, Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue Facebook page, on Messianic Jewish Teachings Facebook page for our podcast, and even on my personal Facebook page, David Levine. So we're going to start with Numbers chapter 4, verse 32. And just one particular verse out of this passage speaks about our call to ministry and some of the details of it. God says to Moses, you're to assign particular loads to specific persons by name. And when I read that, I realized this. Each one of us has been created with unique qualities, and our ministry assignments are given specifically to us. We're we're assigned specific responsibility and specific people by name, Israel is taught. So when you are responsible, you're really responsible. It's not, oh, I'm just going to show up and do whatever I feel like doing. Bear your responsibilities well. Aren't you glad we have a great worship team and a great worship ministry here in this congregation? This side's happy. In fact, we have a number of great worship teams under the leadership of Rebbe Zanina, where we really appreciate her and her leadership. And I can tell you this, the people who, who serve the Lord in the worship team understand their parts. The violinist is playing the violin, right? The piano player's playing the piano. They're not fighting over who's gonna play which instrument. And they know where to stand, they know the words, they have rehearsed, they've practiced, they've developed their skills, they know their schedule, is that correct? You know your schedules? Yes, they do. (laughs) You should always know your schedule, those of you who serve the Lord, or else you will not be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. So the pattern is established here, we receive specific assignments as from the Lord. When God calls you, he also calls you to serve him, and not just to serve in general, but to serve with specific responsibilities. I love this. Assign particular loads. That's speaking to the Levites. I happen to be a Levite, so I can relate to this. This person's supposed to carry this part. This one's supposed to carry this. That's part of the work that the Levites did. Many people say, I want to be a Levite, meaning I want to be, you know, on the stage leading worship or teaching. Well, the Levites carry the heavy stuff and as part of their service to the Lord. Because when you do your work, you're also doing your ministry. The ministry and the work are the same, really. 
whether you have visibility or not, everything that you do that is assigned to you in the house of God is important and it's ministry. Now let's go just a few chapters forward to Numbers chapter 7. We'll look at verses 4 through 9. The Lord said to Moses that he received these offerings from the people there to be used for the service in the tent of meeting. Give them to the Levites, to each as needed for his duties. And so Moses took the wagons and the oxen. He gave them to the Levites, the Levi'im. He gave two wagons and four oxen to the descendants of Gershon in keeping with the needs of their duties. How many wagons did the sons of Gershon need? They needed two. How many ox did they need? Four. It's not hard. This is not a trick question. It's right there. Their duties required that they have some transportation available to them. Verse 8. Four wagons and eight oxen he gave to the descendants of Merari in keeping with the needs of their duties directed by Itamar the son of Aaron the high priest. Okay, now do your math. How many oxen are needed for each wagon? Two. If you got that right, you're still awake. Congratulations. To the descendants of Kahat, he gave how many? None. Because their duties involved the holy articles which they carried on their shoulders. They did not need wagons for what they were carrying. They didn't need oxen to pull the wagons. These guys carried the holy objects on their own shoulders. So specific people were given specific responsibilities, and the different responsibilities and duties required different resources. But each person did what was assigned to him. I can tell you that it was the Lord who decided this one will do this ministry, this one will do this. People didn't sign up. They didn't volunteer. They were drafted into the ministry. Isn't that surprising? Y'all don't look so happy tonight the way I'm talking about this. And I really don't have any plans. There's no ulterior motives here. I'm just going through the scriptures. Let's go to Ephesians (laughs) chapter 2, verse 10. Because there's an understanding that is reflected in Numbers and also in Paul's instruction to the Ephesians. So Paul's writing to the Ephesians and he says this, we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for relaxation, TV, eating, drinking, and being merry. What does it say? Good actions. What's another translation? Good works. Work? Okay, I'm going to date myself. How many remember Maynard G. Krebs? Okay. The rest of you who don't remember him, ask those of us who do. (laughs) Created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You see, we're his workmanship. He's made us. He's created us 
But we're created for what? We're created to do good things that God has in mind for us to do. God has prepared beforehand, and we need to discover what those things are. I had a career in mind when I was a young man, when I was going to college. I had plans when I was working. My plans, you know, they had nothing to do with being a messianic rabbi. They didn't have anything to do with being a believer, to tell you the truth. I was doing what I thought was good for me to do. And you can't imagine how shocking it was when the Lord called me to himself and then when the Lord started showing me his plans for my life. How many of you have had to adjust your own plans in order to accommodate God's plans? It's a good thing, isn't it? Even, even if it's shocking, even if it's uh, disruptive, even if it causes a massive change in direction, there's nothing better than finding out what does God want for us and then to do what it is he wants. So we are his workmanship. We've been made by him and we're created for good works which God has prepared beforehand. So God has a plan. And then I like the very ending statement, so that we would walk in them. I don't know about you, but I've talked to many people who pray to God and want their plans accomplished. God bless my plans. I've done that. I've persuaded God on many occasions. Or let me put it this way. I've tried to persuade God on many occasions. My prayers have been trying to twist God's arm, get it behind his back, get him to say amen and help me do what it is I intend to do. But you know what the Lord wants? He wants people whose hearts are open to him, who he can assign responsibility for, and who will be responsive to him when he gives them those assignments so that we would walk in them. Is it enough just to know about your gifts and talents? Is it enough just to know about what you could do? It's not. It's important to actually walk in them. Now let's go to some of the instruction that Yeshua gave us on this subject in John chapter 15, verse... I may have a typo, verse 4. But it could be 14. Okay. Remain in me and I will remain in you. These are the words of Yeshua. John 15. Remain in me and I will remain in you because a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless, say that one word with me, unless, unless you remain in me. No longer do I call you servants. This is the passage we looked at last week. Because a servant does not understand what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. Friends, because everything I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Now look at this. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. 
So our life is in him. That's what Yeshua is saying. If, if you try to live life without him, you won't be fruitful. You won't even be fully alive because you're like a branch. We all are. We only have life when we're connected to the vine itself. We cannot do these things on our own. We're called to be fruitful. Now, if you're sitting next to someone who you like, tap them on the shoulder and tell them you are called to be fruitful. You're called to be fruitful. You're called to be fruitful. So, okay, now look at the person again one more time and just scan and see, do they have any fruit on them? Any grapes hanging off of them? Any olives, anything fruitful? You see, our actual nature has been transformed. We are now made to be fruitful. You know, the olive tree doesn't wake up every morning and say, I want to be a tomato. I want to make peaches. It's the nature of the olive tree to bring forth one kind of fruit. What is it? Olives. You're doing very well. It's the nature of the grapevine to bring forth one kind of fruit. What is it? Grapes. You're doing well. I've asked city folk these questions. Sometimes they can't even figure them out. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain. Now, you have to understand a little bit about horticulture in order to understand what this is talking about. Uh, How many people have gardened and have ever planted a tomato plant in your life? And if you've ever seen a tomato plant set fruit and then before they fully ripen, before you can get to them, the fruit fall off. Have you seen that? That's what this is talking about. It's saying you will not have that problem where the fruit is cast off. You will have fruit that remains. In other words, it develops until it gets ripe and can be used. There are many scriptures, you may have not taken note of them, we won't, we won't look into them tonight, but you can study this on your own. Prophecies where God says to Israel, I made you fruitful, but the fruit was cast off, meaning it didn't stay and it didn't ripen. It didn't come into fulfillment. And the reason is you weren't abiding in me. You were like a vine that was broken off, a branch that was broken off. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Now, once you, once you get the first few verses that we read here in John 15, the last verse will make sense to you. But if you cut that verse out from the context and say, well, anything I ask, if I use the name of Yeshua, use the name of Jesus in order to close my prayer, I'm going to get it. I can tell you that's not what this is talking about. What this means is is pretty simple. Yeshua has created you to be fruitful, to bear certain kinds of fruit that are appropriate for you. And that's possible when you have your life really connected to him. When you're, it's not just a past tense or a once in a lifetime experience, it's continual. That's the way you live. You, you are staying connected to him. 
And he's going to assign you responsibilities. He's going to give you tasks, not all of which you would have chosen for yourself. And when you do those faithfully and you're fruitful and you do those things prayerfully and with commitment and with servant's heart, you'll bear fruit not just for yourself but for him. So the things that are in his name are the things that belong to him that the Father wants you to be fruitful in. So if you learn to ask the Father in the name of Yeshua for the things he's appointed you to do, if you were one of the Levites and you're carrying the holy things, you want to be fruitful in that. You don't want to be jealous of all the guys in the tribe of Levi who have oxen. Maybe you love oxen. And you feel like, you know, like they're my favorite animals. How many of you wanted an ox for a pet or something? What's the most famous ox? Babe, right? The blue ox. You should know. You're wearing a blue shirt. You should know this. And who did Babe work with? Come on, you guys. Paul Bunyan, okay. And how big was Babe, the blue ox? He was really big, right? He was huge. Okay. I haven't thought about Paul Bunyan or Babe, the blue ox, since I was maybe 14 years old. So this is very useful for me to be here tonight and to have my memory stirred up. But maybe you didn't have a desire for an oxen, but maybe you love wagons. You love to, the idea of transportation and being the professional driver or something. And God assigns to you to carry the holy things. You know what the right attitude is? It's, yes, Lord, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to be the best holy thing carrier that you could imagine. I'm going to receive this assignment with gladness and joy, and I'm going to trust you to bring contentment to me and satisfaction to me. And when you pray in this way, you're really praying in the name of Yeshua. Now, it's to understand John 15, it's useful to understand Yeshua is not just teaching principles that he heard about or learned about from somebody. He's, he's teaching from his very nature and character. Isaiah chapter 11 makes it really clear about Yeshua's nature. It says this, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Do you know who this is talking about? It's talking about Messiah. It's talking about Yeshua. And so Isaiah understood that Yeshua was going to come and he was going to be fruitful himself. Yeshua is fruitful. And so he, Yeshua, has real authority to say to us, you will be fruitful too. If you belong to him, it's not just that you have certain doctrines and practices. It's that you have the character and the nature of the one who you serve as well. So Yeshua bears fruit. So when he says, as Paul understood, you're called to bear fruit. You're called to abide in him. As as John records, you're called to be fruitful. 
and you're appointed to bear fruit. To go and to bear fruit. You know what that means, to go? It means to accept your assignments from the Lord seriously, to do them, and to fulfill them. The the psalmists and the prophets of Israel understood that Israel was called to to be fruitful. Psalm 92 verse 14 is just an example. It says of Israel, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Isn't that good news? Prayer, you're not that old. Some of us are old. We're called. We're called to be fruitful and to be green, not all dried up. Psalm 128 verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. You got a lot of kids. Olive shoots. You got olive shoots here. And then Jeremiah 12:2 says this, you've planted them and they've taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You see it's their nature to bear fruit. Do you think anybody plants a tomato plant because they just want the leaves? They want the fruit. How happy is the apple orchard owner if he's got nice looking trees and no apples? Not happy. You've planted them. They've taken root. They grow and bear fruit. And then I like... This is the last of the Psalms it's, that I want to refer to. It's Psalm 52, verse 8. The psalmist says, as for me, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. I'm like a green olive tree. I'm ready to grow. I'm ready to bear fruit for the Lord. That's what the psalmist said. It was a poetic way of saying, I know what my nature is and I know what brings me contentment. It's to fulfill the very calling and and character that God has appointed for me and to fulfill the assignments that he's given to me. So I I, want to tell you something about your nature and, and my nature, our nature, We are like olive trees and grapevines. Now, look at that person next to you who you smiled at earlier and told them they were to be fruitful. You may have to look across the room and try to decide, does this one look more like an olive tree, more like a grapevine? I don't know. You know, it's not so much how we look. It's more about the nature of the olive tree and the nature of the grapevine. If, if you have traveled in different places, you'll notice that both olive trees and grapevines are similar in that they, they do their best in craggy soil. They, they're, they're so interesting. Grapevines can be planted in very rocky soil on steep inclines, places where other things wouldn't do so well. Uh, they, do, they don't thrive in uh, like the riverbed soil, you know, that rich topsoil. They, they don't grow so well in Iowa. 
where the corn is so high. They don't, they don't need nor do they want to be in that alluvial soil by the river. They do better in the craggy soil, in the rocky soil, in the, in the steep soil, in the rough, in the rugged soil. And if you've gone to some vineyards of this kind, you can be amazed. How many have ever been in a, in a vineyard? It, it's useful to, to, to see, not just in Israel, but anywhere in the world you can, to see vineyards and to see olive groves because you'll learn something in this way. And if you can go with someone who knows what they're talking about, it can be very instructive. So when Yeshua is comparing us to those things, and the scriptures are full of references about us being like them, it's worthwhile for us to know what they're like. And you see, the, the grapevine sometimes is on soil that is so rocky that it's hard to imagine that it could even do well. But that's what it needs. It needs to be in tough terrain. Now, you can start a grapevine, a little shoot in a greenhouse, and you can start the, uh, the little buds of an olive tree in a greenhouse, but if you leave them there, they will not bear fruit. They are not meant for the greenhouse. They need the wind. They need the rain. They need the hard sun beating down on them. They need, they need times of dryness and times of water. They actually thrive in adversity. The greenhouse is not for them. Now, I believe some people don't realize what we're made like, what we're made to be. We're olive trees and we're grapevines. So, so maybe you've been praying all your life, oh, I want that life of the tomato plant. <laughs> or that beautiful house plant that's growing in the greenhouses. Or, oh, I went to a hydroponic greenhouse. It was so cool. How many know what hydroponic even means? Good, good. Maybe you've been desiring to be what you're not created to be and are not. You are called to be like olive trees. You're called to be like grapevines, which means to be in rugged, rugged terrain that has adversity to it. Now, once you get that in your mind, then you understand, you know what? I'm going to do my best in the rugged, rocky terrain. I'm going to thrive there. Now, for some of you, this will help you understand why your life has been what it is and why it will be what it is, because you were thinking that the blessings of the Lord and the prosperity of God are marked by ease. Because there's some people that will tell you that, that, oh, if God's blessing you, you know what, you don't have problems. But you must never aspire to be a greenhouse plant. You'll never bear fruit because you're an olive tree or you're a grapevine, and they cannot thrive in that condition. Oh, they can when they're real young but they can't grow up. So if, if you've wanted a life without any adversity, without any difficulty, and you wanted that nice brown topsoil that's so rich and easy, you're aspiring to the wrong thing in a sense. 
the, the olive shoot, the grapevine that's raised in the greenhouse will forever be juvenile. It will never grow up. And it will always be dependent on the care of others. The, the mature olive tree, on the other hand, the mature grapevine can live on its own. Its roots go down. Oh, they're, they're so strong, they can go right through the rock and through the gravel and through the, the difficult soils, and they survive. They make it, and they're not so dependent. That's your actual nature, is to grow up and to be able to thrive in the real environment that God has given you, the real challenging life that God has given you. The tender shoots stay in the greenhouse and they remain juvenile there and they're never able to sustain themselves in their daily environment. Now, if you put a grapevine in a spot that's good for a tomato plant, it probably won't do well. And if you put a tomato plant in a spot that's good for a grapevine, it also won't do well. But here's the thing. The scripture doesn't say you're a tomato plant. And there's a reason. When it's talking about being fruitful, be fruitful like a vine, like a grapevine. Be fruitful like an olive tree. Those are the two kinds of plants to compare yourself to, to have an image from. You put a grapevine, you put an olive tree in a place that's too protected, it won't thrive. The fruit won't be so great. You and I are like olive trees. We're like grapevines. We need some adversity. Now that person who you told earlier, you'll be fruitful, tell them this, we need some adversity. We need some adversity. Now, I know some of you came here and said, Rabbi, this was not what I wanted to hear. I came here for comfort. But this is comfort. Because it helps you accept your assignment, to accept your calling, to accept your nature, because you can't change your nature. God has made you and appointed good works for you that he's prepared beforehand. And that part of your nature is according to his will, not according to your will. We need some adversity. Now here's the good news. And with this, you can smile again at the person you just told that news to. You can say, we can prosper in adversity. We can prosper in adversity. Now that doesn't make us sadists. It doesn't make us masochists. It simply means we're realistic. We understand how God works. How was Yeshua able to endure the suffering of the cross? The Bible puts it this way, for the joy set before him. And what was the source of that joy? It was his abiding dependence on God himself. Number one. Number two, his fulfilling the call, the mandate, and the assignments that were given to him to do. He did not try to do somebody else's work. He tried to do what was uniquely his. 
when you and I have that attitude, Lord, you can assign me. You can assign me. It's a risky thing to say. You know why? He may assign you to the things you didn't want to do, but that are good for you. And when you do them, you will be fruitful, and then something else will happen. Yeshua said, you are my friends if you do what I command. He didn't say, I've got some happy suggestions. I've got clear orders, is what he was saying. And Yeshua knows what he means, and he means what he says, and he says it very clearly. Let me command you, that's what Yeshua says, let me give you life, because if I am able to do that and you can draw life from me, your joy will be complete and you will bear fruit. And you will fulfill the good works that have been appointed for you and prepared for you. Prepared, not just assigned to you, but prepared for you. And you will discover that those good works fit you and bring you contentment and satisfaction. So I want to pray for all of us that we will be fruitful. Who wants to be more fruitful? The Holy Spirit in you who will empower you to be obedient and empower you to do good works and empower you to live for God. The Holy Spirit in you will lead you to be obedient to the Lord and to do what's pleasing to him. Let's pray together. Lord, here we are. We're just a bunch of trees and a bunch of vines, and we don't even have strength and life in ourselves. We have it in you. Lord, we can't live and we can't bear fruit if we just depend on ourselves and our strength. But we know this, if we abide in you, if we remain in you, we can be fruitful. Lord, we want to receive your commands. We want to receive your assignments. We want you to open up for us the gates of righteousness and we will come in. We want to serve you, Lord, with gladness. And we want to to be your doorkeepers in your house. We want to be those who carry the load in your house. We want to be those who are faithful to our schedule of assignments in your house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've appointed us. You've called us. You've prepared us for this good life that we're able to live in you. We bless you in Yeshua's name. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. And I invite you to join us tomorrow for our Torah service. We'll also have some testimonies from Shavuot. We had a number of people filled with the Holy Spirit. Anybody here who was filled with the Holy Spirit on Shavuot on Anybody here? Raise your hand where I can see you. Yeah, there's one. There's some more. Anybody else? It was, be- it was a beautiful time. And we're going to have some testimonies, and we're going to pray for each other, and we're going to rejoice together. So let's, let's close now. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'nave lecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'nave lecha. Shalom. The Lord bless you. 
The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine brightly upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his shalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom.